Oh, my. We're going to be in John this morning. John chapter 10. As we get ready to turn the corner and get into uh, Easter or Resurrection Sunday or um, Holy Week, as uh, some organizations call it and practice different things, I thought it'd be good for us to look at uh, a section out of, we're going to be in the book of John for the next several days, not so much as a series, but to think about who Jesus is and, and what he's done for us. And John talks about this quite a bit, and, and it was on my uh, heart to, as I began studying this, that in John there's several different areas where Jesus says, I am. In fact, he makes seven I am statements, and we're not going to do all seven of them, but some of these important ones about uh, that I am can help change and transform our life. And, And that's the reality, is that God is really after us to be transformed, not to, A, not to be conformed to the world, but he wants our lives to be transformed for him, and sometimes we forget this. We think that our life is all about us, that our marriage is all about us, the relationships are all about us, our jobs are all about us, when really none of it is about us. It's about us being conformed to his plan and being led by him so that we are transformed people living for his glory. Now, in the process, what's awesome is. He changes us, and we have better lives, and we have better relationships, and we understand our jobs different. But when we don't understand who He is, it's very tough for us to understand who we are if we're supposed to be people called by His name. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when when someone begins a phrase with, I am, it reveals a lot about them and, and what's important to them of who they see themselves are, what their priorities are, maybe what their focus is, or maybe even what their fears are. And so when you talk with somebody and they say, I'm a mother of three wonderful children and three beautiful grandchildren, it's telling you something, isn't it? When they say, I'm an adventure addict, it's telling you something. When they say, I'm an avid reader, it's telling you something, isn't it? When they say, I'm a craftsman, it's telling you something. When they say, I'm a level 95 blood elf on World of Warcraft, it's really telling you something. It's giving you a little insight into who they are and what's important to them. And and really, they're summing up kind of, this is my life, this is who I am, in just that small, simple statement. And then we we see Jesus here that says these I am's, then maybe we should lean in a little bit and listen to what he has to say. And in this particular part that we're going to read, he says that I am the good shepherd. And I hope that you can join me there as we we begin this process. We're going to be chapter 10 beginning with verse 1. And he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, and those of you who don't know what a sheepfold is, it's a place where they keep sheep. 
It could be wood. It could be like a fence. It could be like a stone, almost like a horseshoe built out of rocks, a place where they keep sheep. Anybody that tries to sneak over the wall of the sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, is surely a thief and a robber. Now think about this. If they're trying to come in some other way, they're a thief and a robber. And he says, there's a gate. Why are they not coming through the gate? That's a great question to ask. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. He knows how to get in. He knows his sheep, right? The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now look at this for just a second. He's very specific. He's not wasting words. He's, he's giving us some insight about the plan of God. He calls his own sheep. They recognize his voice. Now, that's what's pretty amazing to me is that sheep aren't the smartest, smartest creatures on the planet. Okay? But they do know his voice, and then he leads them out. He doesn't drive them out. He doesn't drag them out. He doesn't do any of those things. He actually goes before them and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, calls them all out, right? He walks ahead of them. That's what it means to lead. And they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Now, what I love is just the specificness of the scripture is that it's for everyday people just like you and me. So then in verse 6, it says... But those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. (laughs) Now, if you've ever read the Bible and you're saying, I don't understand what he's saying, you're in good company. Lots of people don't get it. Now, here's the great part. If you don't understand what you're reading, ask. Okay? Now, just so that we don't have weirdness, we don't ask in the middle of service. You can ask after. You can ask later. You can... How about you ask God to reveal, what did you mean? Because God wants you to know what he meant, okay? Or maybe you just need to read a little bit more. So he explained it to him. Look at this. Jesus didn't say, what are you, a moron? What's wrong with you? He actually is like, okay, I, I, you didn't get it? I'll explain it. Just so that we're clear. Here he goes. I'm telling you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose, as a good shepherd, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my Father knows me and know, and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And this part's amazing at the end. I have other sheep too. 
He's thinking of the Gentiles. He's thinking of you and me. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold, and I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be, how many? One flock with one shepherd. Now church, friends, whatever you consider yourself, he lays out very clearly here who he is and what he's meaning by this symbolism. He not only says that he's the good shepherd, but he is the gate. And one of the problems that we're facing today that I want to address is this. We have what Bible scholars would call pluralism, which means that there's got to be more than one way to get to heaven. There's got to be more than one way to be eternally saved. There's got to be more than one way because just one way is just not fair and it's just not right. And I'm telling you that there is only one way. And you may say that's judgmental or that's too narrow-minded. I'm not telling you. God is telling you. And I've used this illustration before, and, and I hope that you get it again this morning. If this place caught on fire, wouldn't you want to know that where to escape? And what if there was only one set of doors to get out? Would you be upset by that? Well, I'm just going to sit here till they make new doors. Have at it. <laughs> there can't possibly be only one set of doors to get out of here. Well, argue all you want, but the fact remains, he has shown the entrance and the exit point, and when we want to argue that, we're making ourselves a fool, and we're putting ourselves in danger of fire. I mean, who wants to argue that when fire is all around you? The problem is that we have lost the ability to hear his voice. There are many voices in the world, and I don't know what voice you're listening to, but I'm asking you to come back and listen to his voice. Now, how do you hear his voice? His voice is his word, for starters. So if you think, I'm not sure what his voice sounds like, read his word. You want to know who Jesus is? Read his word. You want to know what Jesus does? Read his word. You want to know where he's going? Read his word. You want to know how your life should be lived? Read his word. Now, it doesn't have to be in a hardbound book. It can be on your phone or your Kindle or whatever type of digital media that you want. That's not the important part. The important part is you need to know his voice because he says there are thieves and robbers, right? But they aren't coming to look after the sheep. They're coming with a very different plan. Do you know his voice? Now, what I find amazing is that Jesus has no problem telling the world who he is, and it's always the world that has the problem with who he is. And as he's reading this, he uses that word the or the a lot. I am the good shepherd. And that's the word that popped up when I started reading through the I am list of how often he makes this exclusive comment. I am thee. All of them about himself. They show his various attributes. They show his goodness. They show his character. They show his amazing love for us. And the the word is what should help guide us. You see, thee is kind of like saying 
the only, the right one, the prime example, or the best. And, and we're getting ready to head into that season of the year that I love and hate at the same time. College football season will be starting soon. And you hear this a lot if you watch enough college football, and it always irritates me. But it shows the mindset, the Ohio State. Makes me want to barf. Everybody's, as they're talking to these kids who play ball, Washington State, or even pro players when they're doing interviews, oh, I went to college at Washington State, I went to this, I went to the Ohio State. I'm thinking, are there more than one Ohio State? Nope. (laughs) But they want you to know it's the Ohio State. Just like Jesus wants you to know he is the good shepherd. He is the gate. He is the way to get where you're going. He is the leader of his sheep. And he doesn't have a problem saying that. The question is with you. Do you believe he is who he says that he is? Do you still struggle with us understanding? And and usually it's not that we don't understand the words. It's that we're unwilling to adjust our lifestyle. We're unwilling to humble ourselves enough to realize that we are sheep. And that's a good thing because we've got somebody that wants to take care of us. Now, maybe you don't see yourself as a sheep, but God sees you as a sheep, and he says he knows you by name. That's a pretty cool thing. And he wants to take care of you. He wants to guide you. He wants to protect you. He calls them in at night, and he brings them into the sheepfold, making sure that they're safe. And he's also saying, I I don't have enough. There's some other sheep out there that I want to bring in as well. This is awesome that he didn't just say, hey, I've got special sheep. He wants all the sheep. Let me ask you a question. Who would know best what sheep think? Sheep. Who would know best where sheep want to hang out? Sheep. Who would know best about what sheep are afraid of? Sheep. And it's not the shepherd's job to know where sheep hang out. It's his job to guide and protect and lead them. You know what our job is? I know some sheep. (laughs) I know some sheep that could use a shepherd. I know some sheep that could use some protecting. I know some sheep. I know where they hang out. I know where they like to eat. I know what they're afraid of. I know some sheep, and and they would really benefit from a shepherd like him. And my question is, is that how you think of it? Or are you still worried about the restriction that he's the only way? I'm thankful that there's only one way instead of him saying, there's many ways, figure it out. That would be pretty frustrating, wouldn't it? You see, we like sometimes those puzzles, but it depends on your mindset. Have you ever put together like a a thousand-piece puzzle? Now, I believe there's a special place in hell for people that puts puzzles that make those puzzles because somebody has to look at a picture and say, how do we make this so intricate and hard that nobody can do this easily? Can I tell you, that's not what Jesus wanted for his followers. He never wanted church to be intricate and hard and trying to put all the pieces together. I just don't get it. He wanted it to be very clear. How about, I mean, if you've ever been around kids, how about a five-piece puzzle? Huh? It makes you feel good, doesn't it? Click, 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 click. 
I'm done. I did it. I'm a genius. But the other thousand piece, three thousand piece, ten thousand piece, you've got like a little picture in the middle and the rest of it's all a similar color. And what do you do? You spend a lot of time going. And people have different ways to do this. No, you've got to do the outside first. No, you've got to find all the similar colors. And, and whatever your strategy is, you think about how much time you spend in, in looking at edges. And can I tell you, if you like jigsaw puzzles, you should have no problem with Jesus because jigsaw puzzles are exclusive. Only that certain piece fits in that certain piece. Now, you could try to jam it in there. You could modify the piece. But isn't it funny that we don't have any problem with the exclusivity of a jigsaw puzzle? We don't lay out the jigsaw puzzle and say, how judgmental. How narrow-minded. I should be able to put in whatever piece I want to put in there, and it should just fit. Well, could it be that every one of us has a place where we fit? And every piece is important. And that every piece is needed. And every piece is exclusive. And here's what it is. It's he doesn't have an exclusive group. Remember what he said? I'm trying to find all the sheep. I've got other sheep that I want to be brought in because they're part of the puzzle. They're part of this beautiful thing that I'm putting together. It's not that I only have such a select few that I've got this elite group. It's not elite at all. They're sheep. And from somebody that's not a shepherd, they just look like a bunch of white fuzzy things roaming around the grass. But the shepherd knows each one by name. He knows their tendencies. He knows what they tend to do. He knows who just had lambs. He knows all of that because he's the one that has been there day in, day out and has laid down his life for his sheep. That's the type of person I'd like to lead me. Instead of the person that comes in, he's got all the big ideas and all the grand plans, and then when it gets hard, what do they do? All you see is the retreating into the distance. And the Bible calls this a hireling. And this may feel like a slant towards a negative this morning, but this is cultural. Our world now is embracing a hireling mentality. I only do it for the money. It's not about my character. It's not about doing good work. It's just how much you pay me. And if I don't want to show up, and I'm not going to show up, and those rules are stupid, and who do you think you are? I know you're the boss, but you don't get to tell me what to do. And at the first sign of anything happening, in the church or outside the church, we're gone. I'm off to a new job. I'm off to a new marriage. I'm off to a new place. I'm off to a new location. But the problem with that is that you are going with you everywhere you go. And when you have a hireling mentality, which means I am unwilling to pay the price, I am willing to be a sacrifice, I am unwilling to go through the hard times, you show yourself to be a hireling. And if you read that scripture like I read the scripture, it doesn't make it sound like that's a good thing. And so if you're somebody that likes to bounce around, you're somebody that likes to just I've got such a a low threshold for pain or struggle that every little thing sets me off. Then I'd like to introduce you this morning to the Good Shepherd. And the hard part is you have to realize you're not the shepherd. He is. When sheep are in control of their life, it goes poorly. 
See, there's challenges of being a sheep. And I grew up on a ranch. Uh, we didn't rotate crops and all that stuff, but we did deal with animals a lot, and we had chickens and sheep and horses and cows and all that good stuff. But let me just lay some stuff on you that maybe you don't know since we don't live in agricultural America anymore. Did you know that sheep tend to get lost pretty easy? Isaiah 53 from the Old Testament says that we're all like sheep that have gone astray. We tend to just go wherever our nose leads us. Sheep do that. I think it's so funny to see sheep that are in a full pasture full of grass and yet somehow they have to stick their head through the fence to see if that grass tastes better. And then they get their little woolly heads in there and then they get, can't get out. And they start calling and baying and making all this noise. What's wrong with the grass right here? They stuck their head through the fence. Sheep are also pretty defenseless. I mean, they can run around, but they're not very fast. They don't have any fangs. They don't have any horns. They don't have any claws. They don't have a roar like a lion, you know. They just, nah. That sounds pretty intimidating to a big hungry predator, doesn't it? (laughs) This little billy fluffy animal, nah. Sheep are stubborn. It's pretty tough to get them rounded up and stay together, which is really their only defense. And and listen, I think some of you have understood this very well. See, the smartest of the smart sheep, which is not smart, but they're... When the trouble comes, they stay on the inside and they let the smart, the not-so-smart slower sheep be on the outside. Who does the predator get first? The slow, (laughs) sick, and not so interested sheep that are like, what's going on? Oh, wolf. Bam. Sheep are dirty. Do you know they can't clean themselves? (laughs) And if you've ever seen, those of you that love cotton, it's the fabric of our lives, the commercial says. If you've ever seen it on the sheep, you'd be thinking, I'm not sure I want to wear that. That's wool, actually, sorry for that. But cotton is dirty stuff. Wool is dirty stuff. But ultimately, sheep need a shepherd. It's what's, it's, it's, I'll tell you this, it's not the only way to live. It's the best way to live. He makes sure they get fed. He makes sure they're protected. He makes sure that they go where the grass is good. He makes sure that they get the water that they need. And some of you, this is your resisting place is because I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. That's unnatural. It's not A, how God set it up, and B, there will always be somebody over you. I remember a story from years back of a kid that was really struggling because his his mom had died when he was a teen, and his dad was busy, and, and his dad really didn't know how to be a mom to him, but his dad knew how to keep rules, and there was a lot of friction between them, and, and, and there was often times where the sun would storm out, and there was all these hard, conflicting arguments of, you know, I don't have to listen to you. I'm grown up now, and he'd slam off and then come back and one time he comes back and decides he's, gonna, he's got great news for his dad, and he says, 
where you've been. He's like, you know, I, I realize that things have been tough and, you know, I really struggle doing what you tell me to do and I don't like to be told what to do, so I've made a decision for my life. Really, he's like, you know, you, you're going to get a job? Nope. He's like, and he's trying to think, here's a kid that he doesn't like to be told what to do, doesn't want to follow the rules, what's the guy going to do? And son says, I decided I'm going to join the Marines. Good choice, son. Good choice. That brings me, before we close, to life application. If you struggle as a human being, just like the rest of us do, with somebody telling you what to do or guiding you or leading you, especially when they're not guiding you or leading you where you think you should go, it's a heart issue. So when Caleb, as a worship leader, says, let's all stand and you sit, unless it's because you're physically unable, it's a heart issue. When the pastor says, or Melissa says, hey, come to the altar, that's a heart issue. It's a sign that you're still very much a sheep, that you're still very stubborn, and maybe you're even a rationalizing sheep. Hey, it doesn't matter where I stand. God is still God. Well, what do you think the shepherd did with sheep that didn't go out of the sheepfold? Hmm. What do you think the shepherd did with sheep that got stuck in the fence? Figure it out, sheep. This is going to be funny. Do you think he picked grass and brought it back to the sheep that refused to leave the sheepfold? You see, shepherds have this unusual tool back in those days called the shepherd's staff. To nudge and guide and correct. And David understood this because he was a shepherd. And he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, you know how they comfort him? Because it keeps you out of the places you shouldn't be. <laughs> they used to have a little hook on the end so that when sheep got into places that even if the shepherd couldn't reach, he'd reach that hook out there and pull them back. Why? Because he hated the sheep? Because he loved the sheep. And the ones that wanted to go in the wrong direction? A little nudge. That's the rod part. (laughs) Because he loves them. Not because he hates sheep. And notice that the shepherd doesn't eat the sheep. He's not a predator. He's not a hireling. He's someone that has invested his life, and he says that several times. I have laid down my life for the sheep. Now, I don't know what it takes to get through to you, but that's my question. He laid down his life for you because he is the good shepherd. Nobody else has done that for you. I'm guaranteeing you nobody has done that for you. And not only that, as you'll find out in just a few weeks, not only did he lay down his life, he took it back up again so that we wouldn't be alone. (laughs) To prove that death isn't the final thing that we face, to prove that there is hope when things go bad, to show you that he is a God that loves you so much, he will never leave you and he'll never forget about you. But we struggle because we're sheep and we don't get it and I, I understand a little bit 
Sheep don't see very high off the ground. They can't see what's out ahead. That's why they need a leader. But I'm thankful they didn't drive them. Think about all those cowboy movies you ever watched. Guys up on horses with whips. <laughs> Notice he doesn't say that. He's not driving us someplace. He says he gets them rounded up, and then he walks out ahead of them. He actually shows them, you just follow me. I'll take you to the best place to eat and the best place to drink. I'm walking out in front so that when I see predators, there's somebody standing between them and you, and that's me. I'm the one that's up all night while you're sleeping, watching out for the wolves. Not because I hate wolves, but because I love you. I'm the one that makes sure that I rotate us so that you don't eat the grass all the way down to the ground and we starve to death. I'm going to make sure that you're going to good pastures. And notice this. He has given us the ability of access where he doesn't say, you're limited. He says, and you'll go in and you'll go out. And I will lead you to good pastures. You see, as sheep, we don't always know what we should eat. And sheep are skittish. I mean, they very rarely, they, they don't like noise. They don't like stuff that's moving around. It makes them nervous. So they're not going to go to a, a bubbling brook in all these places. They want calm water. And if you wonder who this good shepherd is, read Psalm 23 sometimes. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside gentle waters. So I'm not afraid. He knows I need water. He doesn't want me to be afraid. And he doesn't jam my head in the water to get the water. He leads me there. For my sake, he doesn't need it. I need it. Jesus is that good shepherd this morning, church. And I just want to share quickly some some things that he does for us. He guides us. He, he not only is, he, is the gate, but he has opened the gate. And he calls them by name. He, he walks ahead of them. Verses 3 and 4 says this. He knows them and he's, I'm going to lead you out. I'm not going to just keep you stuck in the sheepfold. That's no place for sheep. But it's a place where you're protected for a bit and then we got to go out. And I'm going to provide for you. Not only does he provide salvation, but he's provide access to himself. He's provided good pastures so that we can eat and drink. And he said, I want you to have an abundant life. Not scared all the time. Not running all the time. Not starving all the time. I want you to have a good life. But he's also a good shepherd because he corrects. He lets the sheep know you shouldn't be getting over there. He lets the sheep know, hey, that's not the way we do things. And if you read some of the mythology, history of, of shepherds, there are certain sheep that they're just wired to run off. And I've never verified this or not, but I've heard this story over and over, and I think it bears witness. That some of those sheep that just tend to run off all the time, the shepherd loves them so much, he actually breaks their leg. Now, what kind of a God would do that? Now, the Bible doesn't say that. I'm telling you what history says. It doesn't keep them from eating, right? But they're going to think twice about walking off for their benefit, not his benefit. He also protects them. He says over and over through this passage, he lays down his life. He lays down his life. I have sacrificed my life. I have laid down my life for the sheep. He doesn't run when trouble comes. 
He's awake and watching when trouble comes. He's standing in the gap when trouble comes. And why I say we have to pay attention to that V word is no pastor can do that for you. No church can be that to you. No spouse can be that to you. No dating relationship can be that to you. You can't put that on them. They can't be everything for you. But God, Jesus Christ Almighty can be all of that for you. And He is the only one that can fit that description. The question is, will you let Him lead you and guide you? Do you want Him to know your name? You see, He's interested. I think we've got this idea that Jesus is just out there and aloof in all of these people. What's wrong with these people? That's the religious people. That's not Jesus. Jesus came and said, these people are like sheep, and I love them so much, I want to lead them. And I love them so much, they're not just some nameless, faceless bundle of wool. I know their name. I know who they hang around with. I know their life. And I love them. And I would die for them. That's why he's the good shepherd that nobody else can fill. And when we begin to understand this, it'll help us to live our lives right. And that, what's wrong with having somebody guide us? provide for us and correct us and protect us. That sounds like a pretty abundant life to me. How about if you knew that you weren't going to get into trouble anymore? Wouldn't that be a good thing? (laughs) How about if you knew you weren't going to have to go without anymore? Wouldn't that be a good thing? Wouldn't it be good to know that you're never going to step over the edge and lose your life or lose what's most important? Wouldn't that be a good life? Or do you only hear restrictions in all of that? It's a heart issue. There's lots of things that God has weeded out of my life, and none of them, none of them have been fruitful. It's all stuff that was all about me. It was all stuff that was pushing people away. It was all stuff that was about my past and my pain of other people. It was never about having an abundant life. It was more, I was more restrictive than God ever was. I was the one that had anger and pushed people away. I was the one that responded poorly. I was the one that didn't care about anybody else. I just want my grass and I want my water and I want it now. And, and then when bad things happen, I would say, see, nobody cares. But there is not one day since I have been saved that he has not been there with me. And it doesn't mean that I haven't walked through trouble. Trouble comes. But he has been there, and he has been faithful. And when I don't know where to go, he has always stepped to the forefront to guide and lead. And the problem that I face, and the problem that you probably face too, is sometimes we're out ahead of him. I want to lead my life, and I want to choose, and I want this. And, and then when, just bear with me just a minute. And then when it goes poorly, we blame him. Where were you, shepherd? Well, I was trying to lead, but... <laughs> You were way out there making your own decisions. I would have never led you there. I would have never fed you that. I would have never let you get involved in that. But you decided to take the lead. You decided you wanted to be the shepherd. 
We're the sheep. That's why he makes this easy. We, you, are the sheep. He is the shepherd, and not just any old shepherd, the good shepherd. 